You're listening to an Empavillion podcast. Conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at empavillion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. So our discussion panel today is going to be exploring all of the amazing social change projects within skateboarding um, with our fantastic, motivating, hardworking, inspiring panellists. Um, and we're also going to be talking about our hopes for the future of this community and subculture of skateboarding. I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of this land that we're meeting on today. Um, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Eastern Kulin Nation, and we like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. As we talk about the future of skateboarding today in one of the most sort of iconic skate cities in the world, it really is a skate destination, Nam Melbourne, um, it really is important for us to recognise that we're doing so on unceded lands. And as skateboarders, it is a huge privilege to do what we love, um, and it really is our duty to undertake the time to understand and know whose land that we're skating on. Um, and especially for non-Indigenous skaters, it's really important for us to um, deep dive into that and support and amplify the um, voices of First Nation folk. So before we jump into it, I've just got a small content warning. So today, um, with Consent is Rad, a project which is run by Dr Indigo Willing, um, we'd like to advise that there may be some topics such as rape culture that come up. Um, and this is a project that sort of promotes cultures of consent by skateboarders and for skateboarders. And if this does trigger anything for anyone in the crowd today, um, we recommend that you contact the Victorian Sexual Assault Crisis Line on 1800 806 292. Also, Queer Spaces with Respect, um, with Respect Hotline is available at 1800 542-847. You can also Google um, Queer Spaces with Respect and also Victorian Sexual Assault Crisis Line and they have live chats on their website as well. Um, Indy has also generously provided us with some resources which are over here on the merch desks. Um, one of them is entitled Break the Cycle and it talks about how skateboarders can help end rape culture um, and that's really lovely that she shared that with us today. So, my name is Kirby Clark, my pronouns are she, they, and I am a skateboarder. I've been skateboarding, whoa, I'm a, I'm a wet, soggy skateboarder. Um, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, so, I've been skateboarding and uh, moving furniture around since the wee age of 13. <laughs> Wow. Just all of a sudden turn into a wet t-shirt competition. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> so I've been skating since I was uh, 13 years old. Um, on and off, I, I did try and adult for a little bit, um, like most of us have probably done throughout our lives in skateboarding, um, but then came back to it at, at, a, at the ripe old age of 25. Oh my <laughs> I'm really glad that I moved. <laughs> Yeah, let's, That's nice. let's move way back. Yeah. Melbourne weather. <laughs> Four seasons. Four seasons in, in one day. <laughs> All right. We're, are we good? <laughs> I think we're safe. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, continuing on. <laughs> Okay. Um, I also founded an organisation called Dex for Change in 2015, um, which helps to fundraise and support um, skate park builds and skate park programs across the globe. Um, one of which we have upcoming with um, lovely panellists here, Wade Trevine, who's part of Team More Skate. Um, I also do a bit of work in, in design, and at the moment I'm studying a Master's of design futures at RMIT and one of the things that I'm exploring is how we can use collective imagination to develop the perfect 
not the perfect, but a collective vision of how we can create inclusive and truly welcoming skateboard, skate parks for non-normative skaters. Um, so that's me. And without further ado, let's hear an introduction from each of our lovely panellists. So first up, we have Wade. Wade, if you want to introduce yourself and tell us about the projects that you're working on at the moment and all the amazing things you're doing. Uh, thank you, Kirby. Um, <laughs> we got there. <laughs> I was uh, conscious that I had notes as well, but you've got them as well, so that's okay. Although I am just talking about my introduction, so I probably shouldn't need my notes at this point. Uh, so as Kirby said, my name is Wade Trevine. Uh, I work in the skate park industry. I've been designing skate parks now for, I can't remember how long. Um, it's probably been 15 plus years. I know when I started designing skate parks, I was quite conscious about thinking, think of it, how many skate parks can there be? Like, how long can this job last for? And it certainly hasn't slowed down. It's only got bigger, which is incredible, considering when I first started skating, you know, we were skating car parks, which not to take anything away from skate park, uh, car parks, but it's nice to have these options. Um, working for several companies doing skate parks, I now have my own company called East by West. We design skate parks throughout Australia for local governments. Uh, and also in addition to that, we do volunteer work overseas. So we design and help build parks in places in developing countries that don't necessarily have the opportunities that we would have here in Australia. So countries like um, Kurdistan, Iraq, um, Palestine, Mozambique, Nepal, Morocco, uh, in the future, uh, Timor, as Kirby said, and if my wife's not listening, Libya, hopefully in the next month or so. Um, in addition to that, I've also got an organisation I do with a colleague of mine called Skate Park School, which is where we're teaching people how to design skate parks. So we're teaching the next generation how to design skate parks. Uh, and I think that's enough about me at this point. That's great. Thank you so much, Wade. Um, and Dr. Indigo Willing, if you could give us a quick introduction to yourself and the wonderful work that you're doing, which could last all day, honestly. So you'll have to do a quick recap of all the wonderful work you're doing. Um, okay. So um, I'd like to acknowledge the land we're on as well. So the Wurundjeri, Woi, Wurrai, uh, Eastern Kulin Nation, I'm um, based currently in Mianjin, Brisbane, on the land of the Yugara, uh, Yugara and Turrbal peoples. And I have a um, PhD in sociology, so I'm not a useful doctor if anyone hurts themselves. I can give you philosophy, but I can't heal you in a like, physical way. So um, that's that. And I work with amazing people. So just to introduce what I do, um, I am part of the We Skate Queensland group uh, that I started with Evie Ryder, Tora Waldron, and now we have others like Millie Meljavec and Lily Turek. Uh, we're a combination of different genders. Um, so we have originally Girlscape Brisbane and we moved with our community to change it to uh, gender open uh, We Skate Queensland. So skateboarding is like learning all the time and progressing and making mistakes and just uh, keep moving forward and keep progressing. So hopefully we always stay humble enough and persistent enough and tough enough to um, try and work at this thing that we hope is inclusive um, and reflect skateboarders, of which a lot of mainstream hasn't. Uh, Consenters Red is a project from that, and it has a, um, a no-naming, no-shaming, no-blaming approach to looking at consent and uh, promoting education on that. So we're not like a, um, we're not a rape crisis service, we're not like a rape watch service, so it's not like we go around trying to reveal who's done things um, and pursue that, that's not in our expertise. But what we do is reflect what's happening in the community, look at, looking at the conversations and then hopefully just promoting a, a way forward and really just focusing on um, what consent is and all learning that together. So that's me. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you, Indy. And I'm sure we'll get into it as well, something that you touched on then, that um, skateboarding is a great thing to be in because you learn how to fail and grow. And I think especially in the times that we're living in now and we're facing so many um, really difficult society, societal issues, it is important to be able to learn how to fail and fumble and grow and learn from it, which is awesome. And then last but not least, we have Nikki Hayes, who's come all the way out from Ginger Porter, which is a, a, out in, um, also known as Santa Teresa, all the way from Alice Springs. Took you how long to get here, Nikki? Eight hours or something on a flight, I think? Yeah, yeah, it did actually. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Thank you. So, um, yeah, tell us about uh, Spin Effect Skateboards and some of the stuff that you've been up to in your community. 
Yeah, actually, uh, Spinifex Skateboards came from an idea where um, it's just something that I wanted to do as well, like kind of with my youth work as well, because I'm a youth worker. And I do um, skate sessions as well with the young kids out there in the community, teaching them sort of like basic stuff as well within like skateboarding, but also sort of uh, self-determination and uh, risk-taking, like safety risk-taking as well. And, and um, yeah, and I think something like Spinifex Skateboards can actually support these young people as well through skateboarding and also, you know, um, teach them other things as well. So, yeah, and, yeah, like I said, it was from an idea that I have. Um, now, it's, yeah, it's everywhere. So, and I'm an Eastern Islander man from Dinjapura, so, and, yeah, that's... Yeah, and and you also um, there's a project as well, Songline Skateboarding, and the and the First Nations Skate Tour. Um, can you give us a quick intro to what that is? Well, Songline Skateboarding um, is a First Nation skate team, like a First Indigenous skate team that's been assembled um, last year. I've been proud to be joining that um, when I got asked, um, and it hasn't been done before in, in Australian skateboarding. At all, so it was. I was pretty, pretty proud for that as well to to be around a bunch of other indigenous skateboarders across like all countries as well, um, in this country as well, and showcasing skill in skateboarding and meeting those other wrestlers brothers. You know, like it, it opened my eyes up and thinking like, wow, like you know, this should have been happening you know, years ago, but um, I think it's you know time for Songline to like sort of bring out not just great skateboarding, but also build indigenous skateboarding at the same time as well, and so forth. Yeah, that's so amazing work that you're doing there, Nikki. And it, yeah, it looks like the community is, is growing and stoked to see you as well out skating. Um, so as you can see, we have a really diverse range of expertise and lived experiences. Um, so it'll be really interesting chat. Um, before we get too far, I just want to know personally, um, how did each of you get into skateboarding? Um, and then also, why did you stick with it? Because as we all know, skateboarding is so hard <laughs> um, and it's very painful and it includes a lot of bruises and bruised egos. Um, so yeah, let's start with you, Wade. Like, how did you even get into skateboarding in the first place and what made you stick with it? Well, it's interesting you say bruised egos because uh, in October I broke my humerus and so I've got a plate <laughs> through my arm at the moment uh, having surgery. Uh, I haven't stepped back on the board just yet. I'm a little bit conscious of it. So, um, it's not at all humorous. <laughs> no. no, no, it's definitely not humorous. Uh, I grew up up in the, up in the suburbs. Uh, sport was limited. We had uh, cricket and football. I enjoyed both. I wasn't good at either. And I found when I wasn't good at them, there wasn't that inclusiveness. Like I was kind of out on the fringes. I wasn't part of the group. Um, and, you know, that wasn't easy. Um, friends of ours, family friends had a skateboard and it seemed something that was so unique, something that was, you know, like it just wasn't achievable to have a skateboard. And it just kind of, like, I just grew to it. I just wanted one and eventually fortunate to get one. It was one of the worst skateboards you can imagine. Uh, my parents didn't believe in, you know, spending $100 on a deck. Um, they would still struggle with that now. Um, but, you know, through that, I built ramps in my backyard and just skated by myself. And then through going to primary school, high school, found other people that skated and um, kind of found my group. I found my tribe, which sounds a bit corny, but I did. I found people that I clicked with, people that weren't judgmental, people that, you know, offered confidence, mentorship and just friendship, um, and which I really appreciated. Because skating wasn't, you know, like it wasn't turning up and, you know, you had the game and that was it and you, you had training. It was hanging out. Like, and you just had a skateboard with you and you might do tricks at the same time. But it was just that social event. And from there, like, um, just continued to skate when I grew older. Um, did engineering at school, kind of tried to find something that was relevant to skate, worked at a skate shop. And as I said before, like, started working as a skate park designer. And through those trips, like, into the city that I did as a youngster, skateboarding between the buildings here in Melbourne, up St Kilda Road and... Um, flatlands where it used to be where Fed Square is now, like that was my starting to explore and starting to travel. And now like that's taken me so much further to places I said before overseas. And now I get to experience that simple joy I had as a kid starting skateboarding, seeing that in people that didn't necessarily have the opportunities that I did. Yeah, yeah. It's a really heartwarming experience seeing that come full circle. Um, what about you, Indy? Your skateboarding story is a little bit different. 
I, I love every skateboarder's story. I'm, I'm yet to meet a skateboarder that I ask about their life and their story isn't absolutely remarkable and just a journey and just really cool stuff. Um, so I started skating at 41 and um, all my life I had like literally seen um, people at my local, of which um, my friend Tov here, who's an architect student and um, remarkable skater, just so gnarly, um, at Mona Vale. So she knows what it's like there. It was an incredibly non-diverse space when I was growing up and the main culture was to be like a surfy, but like a surfboarder that's like, um, you know, like a man, a cis man, like blonde hair, blue eyes. And um, I'm like this little four foot 11 Vietnamese girl. And so I'd pass the skate park and I'd see like everyone having the most best time. There was like a vert ramp, it was like 10 feet and they were dropping in. I was thinking, this just looks so fun. But I just received so much racism growing up. Like every day people would drive past and say, go home or stop the Asian invasion or whatever, you know, silly things they'd say at the time. I thought, I can't go in that space and add something that should be fun to the trauma I've already had of being picked on. And like, I don't, I'm just projecting what they would have been like in that space. They might have thought it was really sick having like an Asian person there and having a, a girl there. And I thought, yeah, like we don't care as long as you skate. But looking at that space, it was just, again, like another foreign thing to me. So it wasn't until <laughs> I, um, I worked and I studied, I did my PhD, I had a baby. In fact, my first skateboard was a complete, which is a really silly thing to buy because it breaks on you. But the first week I bought my skateboard, I found out I was pregnant. I thought, okay, maybe now's not the time to like learn to skateboard. So I waited till my son started school and I thought, okay, it's my time to shine. <laughs> I'm going to like hurt myself a lot on the skateboard. And what changed it was actually these workshops saying learn to skate, a bit like what um, Nikki has been doing as well. Um, and, and Wade, you've probably done some of that and definitely you, Kirby where it was people at the skate park putting up signage saying, come over and learn to skate. It was like, there was even having like a thing like a marquee, like, so, okay, like, this is where we go when we first enter the skate park. This is where we can feel safe to look silly. They had like a row of skateboards that actually worked that you could borrow and everyone laughed at my complete and the bushings fell off and the truck fell off. It's like, yeah, you don't need that. But also like explaining to you what's going to help you learn on a skateboard and do the things that you want to was such a big difference. Um, and so, yeah, that's... That, that was really a big thing for me. Like, okay, you can actually enter this space and there are people that will guide you through that. And that's really how We Skate Queensland started because there was a lot of people feeling that way and we thought if we do the same, like we signify this is the space you can come to if you don't know what to do or you haven't got like a crew or whatever, you're just, you know, feeling a bit vulnerable that day. And yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm 50 now and I'm still skateboarding because I just have uh, no, no self-respect for my body. <laughs> and I hurt myself all the time. And um, I actually think it's just some people have a very strong personality where they just need to repeat things. They like to progress, but they don't need rules. So I think there's a little bit of rebellion in you as well. So yeah, like skateboarding is um, exactly the kind of thing where you can just express yourself and constantly just, you know, surprise yourself at your own progress without having to rely on a team or conventions or what the norm says you should be. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's interesting. I, I have a lot of people and friends that come up to me that say, oh no, it's too late for me to stay, start skateboarding. And I point them to Indy's Instagram page. <laughs> I'm like... No, it's never. I mean, you can even start skateboarding at the age of 60, 70, 80, maybe just with some pads on because, you know... as Be normal and help yourself, like, just the pads and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that. I'm like... <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's never, never not a good time to start something new and start learning. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, Nikki, what about you? How did you come about um, skateboarding out in Ginger Porter? Well, I started skating, like, the late 90s and kind of just saw it was like just a funny, stupid thing, you know, and as a kid back then, you know, like, you know, I didn't know what, like, what skateboarding was, but at the same time, I thought it was so cool, like, because it was so different. I was playing basketball at the time as well, you know, back then, and, you know, everybody wanted to, like, be like Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen, you know, all the, all the Bulls team, you know, back then, and, you know, including myself, but then I slowly gravitated to, like, sort of, skateboarding and then like what got me into skateboarding was was that and also one of my best friends from primary school like him and his brother actually won this competition like from a music shop and they won a whole whole setup and where it was so cool like and the first thing was just like we're just rolling in um, his back veranda and also just building this little tiny little kicker or whatever like just to 
wood and, and, and a piece of brick and we just like rolled over it and we thought we were just like great skateboarders like <laughs> back then and um, I was just yeah I was just sort of just yeah hooked on that and also as well I had like a bit of, bit of troubles as well like from like my own family um, doing something different as well you know I was expected to like play football you know like AFL you know like stuff like that you know and yeah, my family's just like, oh, what are you doing? Like cruising around with these like skateboarders or these white skateboarders and stuff like that, you know. And I copped a lot with that. And I started sort of just sort of skating by myself as well at the time. And then gradually kind of met one of my good mates as well that kind of brought me in into this group and where like I started skating and kind of progressing a bit more. And I kind of just let just all that other crap just kind of just just you know like. I just focusing all in my skateboarding and the anger and stuff and, and putting into skateboarding and the positivity of it. And, you know, I've still been doing it. Um, had my sort of ups and downs in life as well, but then also kind of just skateboarding brought me back to kind of just, you know, the reason why I love it and I still love it and, and what I'm doing right now for skateboarding and teaching these young people, you know, like, they can do it as well and learning life skills at the end of the day as well and the start of the day as well. So... You know, um, I love skateboarding, you know, like forever, so. And, yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I love skateboarding as well. And sometimes to the point where I like start choking up about it when I start talking about it. Um, because, yeah, like you said, it really is, it is a form of therapy and it is something that has definitely helped um, myself and I know a lot of other people as well get through some really tough times in their life. Um, and it brings, it sort of attracts certain people which are um, a little bit odd, <laughs> a little bit left to centre, a little bit anti-establishment, rebellious. And I think that's why we also see so many amazing initiatives within skateboarding because we're kind of already used to pushing against the status quo and sort of failing and learning. Um, but yeah, the... Growing up, I think um, myself as a as a as a cis presenting uh, girl skater, um, there were times when it was really difficult to stick with because a lot of the spaces traditionally um, are you know consolidated boys clubs, and it can be really intimidating. I mean, for any new skater as well, when you're starting out, it can be a really intimidating space to enter into a skate park. Um, and I think there's some really great conversations going on at the moment and, and Wade, of course, you're involved in, in designing skate parks. Um, Indy, you're sort of exploring a lot of gender equity in skateboarding and sports. Um, and Nikki, you're about to embark on helping Alice Springs get a new skate park. Um, what do you think um, we can do really to make these skate parks of the future spaces where they are all-inclusive, safe, welcoming spaces? I know it's a big question and there's not a one-size-fits-all answer, obviously, um, but what are your thoughts on how we can create these spaces to be inclusive and safe and welcoming? I might start with you, Wade. Uh, I'll just reflect on what you were saying before about um, skateboarding defining who you are. Like, if you say you're a skateboarder, it means a lot more to say more than if you said, I'm a footballer or I'm a basketballer. Like, it really does kind of show your perspective and kind of your beliefs and your lifestyle a lot more. So I think that's, yeah, spot on what you were saying. Um, I think it's amazing that we've got such a diverse panel because we're all going to have complete different views on this and, and come from different uh, perspectives and backgrounds in regards to what makes a safe and inclusive space. So I can, as Kirby said, I can talk as a designer. So... Um, Skate parks uh, traditionally, or in, at least in Australia, were spaces out the back blocks where people could be forgotten about, where things could happen that didn't really matter, um, anti-social activity, um, you know, you didn't necessarily feel safe there, they weren't inviting. That's certainly changing over time. Uh, I've experienced that in the time I've been involved in skate parks, that's for sure, where you had to push a community or a council to say, no, we think this is the best site. At times now, the community will be telling you, no, we think it has to be in the centre of town. So it saves us doing the job, which is amazing. And it's true. They need to be located in the centre of town. They need to be in active spaces. Like here we are, we've got Riverside over our corner, over our shoulder here. Like it's where people want to be. Like it's a beautiful spot. It's on the river, you know. It's in trees. It's in the gardens. It's where people are walking past. Like that's where a skate park needs to be. Because the reality is skate parks aren't just for skateboarders. 
They're for people that just want to socialise. They're for people that just want to spectate or mentor or be parents. And they're also for people that want to start to get into it but need to be encouraged to be able to do that. So rather than being in the back blocks and being some big grey concrete scape, uh, bowl, say for instance, they need to have, you know, they need to have the infrastructure there. They need to have paths. And as I said before, like, you know, some planting, some shade, shelters, seating, connect, connections to other infrastructure around it as well. And even things just like on the fringes. So people don't have to go straight into the centre of the park. They can just kind of hang around on the fringes and eventually as confidence builds, they can start to work their way into the centre of the space. And that on those fringes might just be beginner style elements. So again, rather than having that big central bowl, they could just have some little ramps. So people that are coming to it can just practice on them. And again, as confidence builds, they can start to walk their way into the centre of the space. And even things like signage, you know, informative signage. What is this skate park? Who's, who's this skate park for? What should you be doing at the skate park? How should you be treated at the skate park? Like inform people, educate people before they go in. I mean, skate parks and skateboarders are pretty good at, like as I said before, mentoring and having conversations. But if people can start that just by some signage at the start, it's definitely a good place, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think signage is a is an interesting one because I feel like when you enter a skate park, you're already entering a social contract. Like we already know that you can't snake someone. You've got to wait your turn. You've got to keep your eye open. There's specific ways to behave that skateboarders already inherently know. Um, but then, you know, more to the point of inclusivity in ensuring that women, trans, non-binary, non-normative sort of skaters... Um, or non-traditional sort of skaters also feel welcomed in that space. I think that signage can play a role in that as well. Um, but then there's also the, the community aspect to it, and there's a larger system um, at play that can that can help create that welcoming space as well. Um, Indy, maybe you've got some insights into that. Um, thank you for the question, and um, thank you, Wade, for the insights. I'm going to fully agree with Wade firstly in that um, it does mean a lot to say that you're a skateboarder as opposed to some of the mainstream sports. There was a very interesting Finnish study done of elite skateboarders and other types of athletes in Finland, Finland being the home of artists, Sari and like some really sick people. Um, but the study showed that if you're an Olympic swimmer and you reach 27 and you quit swimming, it's not like you're a swimmer for life and you can turn up at a shop, the swimming shop, or you can see a band, like the band we're seeing after here, like, there's all swimmers, this is sick. I'm going to hang out with the swimmers band. Or like, oh, my flatmates, they're all swimmers. Or like, you know, oh, who designed your, your outfit? Oh, this sick swimmer did it. Like, but skateboarders, you can, right? Like, it's a, it's a whole lifestyle, it's a whole culture. Your flatmates, the people that you go and see, watch on the band, uh, your mentors, it, it goes on forever of your skateboarding, you can carry that across life. So even if you're a pro skater and you retire at 27 from X Games or whatever, you're going to have that identity for a very, very long time and you can probably sustain it for life. We don't know yet. They haven't aged as much. Tony Hawk's about 50. Their skaters in Japan are about 75. So it's looking good for all of us. Um, so firstly, that's really important. That sense of community is everywhere. One of the problems is, now I'll be very honest if I may, because why not in this space, um, for the past few weeks I've actually been, you know, really struggling with skateboarding and feeling safe. My local, I love it, I helped upgrade it, I don't feel safe there. Um, and partly it's because you do, you will have in a population a very small amount of people that are problematic. And what we're lacking at the moment is people in the community to know what to do with that. So if there's somebody that just, um, they're harassing, they're, they've done assault or whatever, much like other sports, we, or, you know, cultures or subcultures, it could be heavy metal, it could be bands, we don't have enough practice to know what to do with that. And one of the problems is trying to move those people out of that skate park. Like, oh, for example, you know, down at this skate park, that person's problematic. Um, at my local, like, I, I don't want to get anyone arrested, but for at least three weeks, they were breaking the board of a guy that harassed me, and I'm very proud of them in some ways. But it's also anti-violent, so don't do that. But, like, um, literally, there were, like, you know, a community response to this person telling them, don't, you know, we don't want to put up with this. On the other hand, I've said, don't, don't make him leave. Like, I like to know where he is. Keep him in the park. It's, you know, his behaviour, knowing what he's like... I would prefer that he skate than be somewhere else and move to another skate scene. I think we need to work with him and try and, like, 
get him to know the consequences of his behaviour and how he needs to behave. I think that's the most useful thing we can do for anybody. But that requires a community in that skate park. It also requires that people can go on Insta and think, you know, someone's being harassed at my park or someone's got very bad behaviour, what do we do? So that's why Consent is Red is they're offering that sort of more social support. Like, yes, we can put in lighting uh, toilets, please. <laughs> like, toilets in skate parks, because I'm sick of watching... Toilets, because we can't pee in the bushes, folks. <laughs> oh, we can, but I'm always scared some little kid's going to YouTube it. Like, you know, look at this person. It's like, no, that's not what I want. But yeah, so the space is one thing and making it accessible in all these different ways. Uh, but also the social aspects are important. Another thing that we can do to make skate parks inclusive in this more extreme cases... Uh, but they're not uncommon. They're, they're just cases that, you know, are on, the, on the spectrum of how we behave at skate parks, um, is having those um, meetups regularly. So if I know that every Friday there's going to... Somebody's supported to do meetups where it's going to be a safe, inclusive space, that makes a huge change for me or for anybody else that feels scared of doing that. And it begins to change the culture of the park itself because of the regularity. Um, and... Free labour, like nobody wants to work for free and like, I think, you know, uh, women are non-binary and people that have been survivors carry the most burden. So how can you support that? How can you actually pay professionals even to come down to the park once a month and hold like a stall? Like let's talk about consent and safety and invite, you know, the skate shops and anybody wants to come and be part of that. But like knowing where to place the responsibility and the expertise a bit more in this space. So that would be, I guess, my reflection. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it's also very important that um, those initiatives are led by the people um, that they're for as well. Um, we've seen in the past um, with sort of girls' progression sessions and stuff like that, which they're doing a great job, but then often um, they're, they're often run by people who they're not for. So there can be some oversights in creating that space and just having that keen eye of making sure that you're creating that safe space for everyone. Um, now, in terms of skate park design and co-creation, maybe, Nikki, you can have a chat about how you're sort of approaching and helping this skate park come about in Alice Springs. Um, what are the sorts of things that you're doing to engage community to make sure that this skate park is going to be, you know, accessible for everyone, all types of skaters, rollerbladers, bikers, but, um, yeah, everyone in that community as well? Uh, with... with other springs. Uh, well, I'll have to just touch base on actually uh, Ginger Porter first. Um, it's where actually um, <clears throat> where we got our first indoor park, and with that we had to talk to the community as well, and have like the elders um, be there as well in, in the meetings, where you know letting them know like this is what we what we what we're going to do, but also just reaching out and talking to them one by one as well, and like really you know sitting down and, and seeing what they think as well. Or like, you know, something you know, as, as an indoor park or just a skate park where, you know, kids can enjoy enjoy themselves or do do something different, but also making sure that, you know, it's a place that's going to be safe as well for them, because you know, with with an indigenous community, it's it's much different than big cities and like like suburbs and stuff like that. You know, it's talking to elders and having an understanding to actually, you know getting down to the level and actually, you know, hearing them out as well and what they think, like, because, you know, changes is always going to be happening, but in a remote community, it's, it's you know, it's slowly changing, but having a skate park where it's safe and having, like, within an area or a building where it's, it's a youth hub, you know, it's, it, it's a big game changer as well and having that support as well and having those youth workers go out and actually you know, talk, talk to these elders as well. And so, you know, I'm a youth worker as well. So um, it's, a, it's an important thing to actually have those conversations with these elders and the community as well. So we've done that, like, with the indoor park, you know, and, and then the structure of it as well, and then having the park now, and then also teaching these kids, like, you know, the safety aspects of, of the park, also how to treat each other as well, like, you know, the traffic of the park as well. And, you know, it's a safe place. It's not, you know, no teasing, no, like, bullying and stuff like that. Like, you know, um, all those simple things as well. Like, I mean, all skateboarders know, like, skate, skate park ethics, but some other, other people or kids don't know. You know, I think, you know, um, 
with a different age group as well. Like, there's, there's always that, that maybe that older person might know a bit more and actually can talk and go, like, okay, like, you know, um, maybe, like, shouldn't do that, you know, maybe just, you know, like, just share it as well. Like, um, make way for other people as well because this, this is for everyone. And I'll do that as well and teach these kids, you know, about that as well with the uh, Ginger Porter skate park out there. Um, but with the Alice, Alice Park... Um, my mate Greg here, who's on the camera, um, he's been doing great work with it as well. Um, and that park's been, it's been 20 years, not that park's been there. And, you know, we need to have a good upgrade and stuff like that, but we need like an actual, a new park. But, you know, all my other mates, they actually, you know, teach kids like the skate park ethics as well. Like, doesn't matter if it's bike riding, skating, or anything else, you know, like within their own youth work, because, you know, it's important as well for, like, everyone to know that. And I think um, with that, it's so cool. And, you know, because I mainly just do stuff with um, Ginger Porter. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that um, we in the city can take a page out of that book from smaller communities that, you know, it is all of our jobs, even though if we live in a larger community, we're not seeing the same people as often. Um, but as, you know, people that have skated and, and, are, and are adults in that skateboarding space, it is our responsibility as well to sort of um, encourage the young up-and-coming skaters as well to know skate park etiquette, but also understand the way that they should behave in skate parks as well. Yeah, awesome. Um, and that brings me to my final question before we head to some Q&A. Um, I think skateboarding has changed so much just even in the last 10 years, let alone since its inception. Um, and it's, it's heading in some really great ways and we're seeing some really fantastic projects, but it still does have a long way to go. Um, so I'd love to hear from each of you, what do you see as the best possible future for the industry and the community of skateboarding? Big question. All right, I'll go first. Uh, <laughs> um, Skateboarding has changed so much since, uh, since I was a kid, which is obviously a long time ago. Um, you know, we've got the Olympics um, now and, and that's so topical in skateboarding. You love it, you hate it. But the beauty of it is it's there now, but also that other scene's there as well, whether it's a DIY scene, whether it's people putting out zines and, you know, there's that local scene, like it still exists. So it's not like that's gotten rid of and that's beautiful to see. From my perspective, the growth of skateboarding, and it's like, I'm, again, I'm probably wearing my hat here, um, in regards to skate parks is um, they're bigger, um, they're in better locations, they're accessible for more people. Again, as I referenced before, like they're not that grey concrete skate park. They're attractive spaces that everyone, go, everyone wants to go, whether it's you're just sitting down or you're skateboarding, they're, they're welcome spaces for everyone. And again, from my perspective, they're happening all over the world. You know, like where there's, we did the first skate park myself and um, I say myself, um, a lot of other volunteers and NGOs in Iraq. Like there was moments on the job site we just had to take a step back and just go, we are in Iraq right now building a skate park. That is amazing. Um, being in uh, Palestine on the border uh, with SkatePal, um, border with Israel and delivering a park and seeing the reactions of kids where kids, it just took you back. When kids could roll on a skateboard and that was pure joy. We went to a refugee camp and seen Syrian kids on their skateboards. Again, it's such a beautiful thing. So skateboarding is getting bigger um, without a doubt, but there's still that simplicity there of just, of just joy and just fun and, again, just kids being kids. So that would be yeah, my, my nutshell. <laughs> so global and just really nice to know that you can go from Palestine to Iraq to East Timor and there's that connection you know, like you're a skateboarder and we skateboard and there's just joy in that and the main thing of having fun is really cool. Um, so the future of skateboarding is such a, such a big question that I'm delighted that you asked me. I'm going to like try and have a wing it and have a go at this one. Um, so I'm currently writing a book called Skateboarding Power and Change with a skater and journalist called Anthony Papalotto from New York. He's much cooler than me. He's a skater's, like, been skating for a long time. And he just looks cooler than me. He's just, he's got, like, good vibes. And um, we've been <laughs> going to talk to... Great vibes, indeed. <laughs> just want to let you know. 
actually, the, the message of that is not to put myself down, but actually, when you, whatever you're doing, think about your weakness and match with somebody that compliments you. I think that's what it is. So my energy is just different from Anthony's. And the type of people that we need to talk to um, range from people like the Bones Brigade right down to a group like Froskate who um, promote black women skater, black non-binary, black trans skaters, queer skateboarding, uh, to the first uh, black woman-owned skate business, Propana. So we're looking at a whole bunch of people that some have more power than others. And what the book's trying to do is say, okay, you're all doing things about social change. So what was the journey like for you? Who's been supporting you? Who's challenging you? And what are your tools and advice that you would give to other people wanting to make a difference too? So it's like trying to grow a garden and getting gardening advice. <laughs> and like, what makes your flowers grow in your scene or your garden? So I think always trying to, trying to compliment yourself or gain knowledge from other people what work for them is the future of skateboarding. So like a range of different people. And in, Austra in the Australian context, because we're interviewing Americans for that, um, I'm doing interviews for Skate Australia with a whole bunch of different um, people that skate and use the skate park. So not just skateboarders, but other people that use their wheels and have fun there. And trying to find out what does make that space problematic and inclusive to them. And trying to always just get, like, not just two persons' advice, but like a range of people's advice. And then just trying to bring that to light. Because I think um, Nikki and Wade and, you know, you could be like, all of us, if we brainstorm, we're going to come up with something a lot stronger than if we just sat with ourselves and did it, even though it's going to be good, you know, um, as a solo effort. So just collaboration is the future for skateboarding, I think, and really just seeing what works for a bunch of people. Um, and also just, yeah, where, where you're failing, or not failing, but where your weaknesses are, team up. I'm yeah. also just going to quickly say, in reference to what you were saying, like, and how much skateboarding's changed, we're having a conversation right now about this, you know, like, several years ago, like, this wouldn't have happened, and um, Indy presented at a thing called Pushing Borders, which is an academic conference on skateboarding in Malmo, and there was one in London before that, like, that was just unattainable. Who would have thought of that 10 years ago in regards to skateboarding? So I think yeah, I just mean, this right now is a great example. Yeah, even the term skate academic. Like, what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> now still, it's a still a bit weird, but, you know, like, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, I just want to say, if you want to study and do skateboarding, you should. Like, there's a range of people in this audience that are studying and you're doing you know, master's. Like, literally, I think... Um, academia is good for skateboarders because you need to be pretty hardworking, persistent, a little bit obsessive, and you're going to have such drive and passion like you want to do this because you're using these tools to build something else. So, yeah, like, um, it sounds weird, but academia can be a good home for skaters. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And if skateboarding is a part of my um, uni assessments, then I'll definitely do them on time. Um, <laughs> Nikki, what about you? What do you think is the sort of best possible future for skateboarding? I think... Um yeah, indigenous skateboarding, you know, and um, and also like the work that we do as well, like I, you know, from an idea, but um, and also that, yeah, um, you know, these kids like seeing these kids out back at home, like teaching them skating, you know, boys and girls, you know, like different ages, um, you know, they're loving it, but also like skateboarding, you know, it's always gonna be ongoing, changing as well, like you know, between like you know the level of skateboarding, like tricks and stuff like that but you know um i've got to pinch myself sometimes because it's just like wow like i think you know coming up with spinback skateboards and you know doing work starting to do workshops and stuff like that and you know having having this only business brand that's never been done before as well like um yeah i was just like i was just talking to mappy this morning and you know he was just like sort of spun out about the movement and stuff like that as well and um, you know, hasn't been done before and now it's here and, yeah. It's a big we are in the future. You are the future of skateboarding already. Yeah, I've got to sometimes, like, reflect on that as well. I'm thinking, wow, like, Huge. changing skateboarding as well because of, you know, and, and I want to build indigenous skateboarding no, more, more, because, like, I think skateboarding should be abroad around this country as well, you know, and to, like, these other remote communities, you know, for, like, kids to just have a choice to have fun in something called skateboarding. Um, and I think, you know, sky's the limit for skateboarding anyway for the future. Like, 
uh, with, with you guys doing what you're doing and, you know, I think that... Yeah, I think, I think the future of skateboarding is in good hands. <laughs> All right, thank you, everyone. Um, we're going to open it up to some questions from the audience. So we have a mic that you can stand up at over here. Might need to bring it, bring it down a little bit. Um, that you can ask questions to anyone in the, on the panel. Anyone want to have a yarn? Yay! Yeah, just there. Someone's going to come over and help you. Oh, there you go. Sorted it. Hi. What's your name? I'm Horace. Hi. Nice to meet you. Are you a skateboarder? Yeah. Awesome. What's your favourite trick? I can't do that many, but um, I can heel flip sometimes. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> okay. What would you like to ask? I was just asking, do, um, would I know any of the skate parks you've designed? Hopefully one of the good ones. Um, <laughs> In Melbourne, um, I helped on St Kilda, Faulkner. Um, I'm trying to think others in Melbourne. Some in the like bit further out in the suburbs, because I've done it. Like I've done a lot in WA. What's your local park? Well, like here, like Riverside. Really? No, Riverside was a little bit before my time. But Riverside's going to get redeveloped soon, though. They're going to do. They're going to rebuild it and do it again. Oh, that's that's cool. <laughs> Hopefully, it will be. Yeah. Thank you. That's all right. Thank you. Does anyone else have any questions? I know it is a little bit intimidating standing up there, but <laughs> yeah, ju jump over. Hi. Hi. Um, hey. Uh, yeah, I'm Keenan, also an ab Aboriginal skater as well. Darug, awesome. Darug man. Um, I had a question. How can companies like this skate company, yours, that are working with councils around Australia and others like you get behind um, Brothers, Brothers Project and skate parks around his place? It's a, it's a pretty good question. I've, I think I've got a good answer for it too. I already am. Um, yeah, working with Nikki and Georgia and trying to get their skate park delivered there. Uh, a few years ago, um, I was just doing a talk like this and someone said, where would your dream skate park be like to build? And I was like, oh, Somalia, Yemen, you know, all those places you're not meant to go. And I was like, no, no, here in Australia. Like I've been fortunate to go to some communities, indigenous communities, and seen uh, the lack of infrastructure, the lack of opportunities that exist due to remoteness and, you know, other reasons. And it's like, well, we've, we've got these opportunities to be able to do some of these projects here and there's funding to be able to do them as well. So... Um, yeah, I'm definitely trying to do that and definitely working with Nikki to try and get a park, a new park in their community. So, yeah. yeah that, was a, that was a good question because I, I felt like I had a good answer for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Does anyone else want to jump up and ask a quick cue? Yeah, go for it. Just, just, yell, just yell at us. Um, how do you think skateboarding is being represented outside of the subculture in wider popular culture? And do you think it's representative of the subculture? And is it going in the wrong or right direction? Or what are your thoughts on that? Any of you? I think we all probably have some thoughts on that. Um, I have some thoughts on that in terms of marketing and advertisement. I think skateboarding is a really cool um, culture that uh, a lot of brands want to use. Um, and Nike are doing an incredible job at helping um, promote queer skaters, trans skaters, especially with um, Leo Baker. Um, but that also comes at, I think, they already know that the community is, is ready for that. Um, they don't do anything that's too, you know, risk or risk averse. Um, so, yeah, does anyone else have any thoughts on that? I feel like that there's so many different versions, but then... It's not really. It's it's difficult, I think, to see the rep, the broad representation of what skateboarding is. Is it's a lot of, to be honest, like white cis men, um, at the moment. If you see sponsored skate teams, you'll see almost 100 percent, 90 to 100 um, percent white cis men skaters, and that's just not representative of what the skateboarding community is. I think I think um, like Aboriginal art, you know that comes from country that's on, on boards, you know, like, you, you see a lot of graphics where it's just, you know, like, 
cool, cool brands and stuff like that. But having a, a Aboriginal artist do do like a graphic and putting on that on the back of a board for, for a skate company. Like, I mean, my six-year-old nephew, he did a little canvas and I was just thinking about like some idea for like a graphic and then I just saw this painting that he did, just a small little canvas. And then I just went, wow, that will look so awesome on a board. And, you know, um, it just, yeah, it just popped. And then, you know, I asked his mum about it, whereas it's like, oh, you should ask him. Like, that's outside, like, where, like, sort of, you know, something not just different, but, you know, also given the chance for, like, these artists to actually, you know, be, be proud of, like, their work as well. That's actually outside of sort of, like, just the canvas or, like, where they do those paintings as well, like, on skateboards or even, like, T-shirts and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that artwork that your nephew did. Do you have any more of those boards available, by the way? Yeah, we do. Yeah, awesome. Spinifex website. Check it out. Can, can I nerd out a bit on the question that was asked on the, how skating's represented outside? Um, and it's, it's not like, again, I, don't, I never feel cool enough being an academic, but I'll give you some academic examples. So um, with ageing, studies of ageing in the UK, um, they had these previous models which they called successful ageing and positive ageing. And really they were promoting how to age successfully and they were showing maybe grandmas that were doing marathons or like, you know, uh, very old people like that were totally ripped and muscly and saying, you know, this is how you age and have fun. And that's not going to inspire me even. And you know, like I'm only 50, like in 80 years time or when I'm 80, I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to be ripped and doing that. So skateboarding offered like a really interesting example of older skaters. And there's a board company called Tide Skateboards of which shows um, just mostly, mostly white men, to be honest, but still it shows skateboarders that their bodies are no longer um, in a sort of a 20-year-old body. These are like, you know, 30 to 40-year-old skaters. Their tricks aren't as good as they used to be or they're different. So they're modifying how they used to skate. And what you're not seeing is like people they showed off totally ripped, sort of, you know, looking like um, models. What you're seeing is like if you go down to the park and you see the dad skating, that's basically what Tide Skateboards promotes. And... Um, we did a study and I had to read about 3,000 YouTube comments after they posted one of these. And if anyone's ever read YouTube comments, you know what a hell place that can be. But it's actually the majority are very pop positive. So it's like young skateboarders saying, these guys inspire me to skate. I want to be them when I'm older. Or like, this makes me want to skate now and I'm only 20. So like, it was like a positive sign of ageing. And this was argued in a study that I did with um, some other researchers that aren't skateboarders, showing that this is how you show the population they can positively age. You don't have to put them on skateboards, but if you do put them in scenarios where they look like your average population, this is, and having fun, and it's a part of their lifestyle, again, as we said, you're a skater for life, that can be a, a, a very much more influential campaign of how to age and do something that makes you happy and, you know, get you outside or whatever. So that's one example. Another is consent. So uh, there's a study at the moment on um, consent looking at football, cricket, equestrian sport, um, rowing and skateboarding. And like all these other sports are like sort of, you know, they're, they're not as um, self-aware and ready to say, that sucks, you know, let's send it and commit and do something. Whereas the skateboarders are like, you know, um, there can be resistance, but most of them like, you know, they want to have solutions and like, you know, well, that sucks, but let's do this. So that's another example of um, looking how they're different, I guess, sports, but also subcultures do it. And also skateboarding is very useful looking at gender and how um, it can be more inclusive. So you can transfer that to heavy metal scenes, to... Um, breakdancing, I don't know, like various other subcultures, the insights from what is happening with, say, their skateboards and having, like, Show Strawberry with, like, a big billboard and, um, you know, having, like, previous very macho magazines like Thrasher all of a sudden having three pages on a, you know, trans skater and, um, you know, their skateboards currently have a story on, you know, um, what they're doing as, like, well, are you going to see that in a football magazine? You should because skateboarding does it. So, yeah, there's some of the ways that skateboarding speaks outside its own culture and can influence others. Definitely. And it's getting there. A bit. <laughs> um, does anyone else have any questions for our lovely panellists this afternoon? No? <laughs> All right. Um, well, we're going to wrap up then, but before we go, I wanted question, to... There's a question back there. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Where? Yeah, come up. 
Jog up to the mic. <laughs> I was just going to ask, what's been your favourite moment from your skating journey so far? Oh, that's a nice <laughs> question. That's a really great question. Thank you, Om. Um, there's so many. <laughs> um, I think that... Not a, not a singular moment, but I think that uh, the most amazing thing that skateboarding has brought to my life is just a really diverse view of the world um, and a really deep understanding of, of what's happening around the world in, in areas that aren't my areas and, and that are people that aren't like me. So, you know, I wouldn't know the intricacies about, the, about what's happening to Palestinian people um, if it weren't for skateboarding and if it weren't for the Palestine project that you were involved in, Wade, um, I wouldn't know the intricacies of what happened under the reign of Saddam Hussein um, in Iraqi Kurdistan had I not gone out there and spent time with skaters. Um, so not, not a one-thing moment, but I think that's just, yeah, one of my favourite things about skateboarding is that it has, has really opened up my world and, and educated me in ways that I don't think other things would have. Jeez, talk about stealing my answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I said before when playing traditional sports, basketball or cricket and that I wasn't very good. doesn't mean I was good at skateboarding. But um, when I was younger, I mean, definitely landing tricks and things like that and just getting applauded by friends. Like, just simple joy in that. You know, pats on backs, well done. Like, it's a pretty good feeling that, you know, definitely stays with you. Uh, and, and to repeat what Kirby was saying, you know, in later years, more recently being in some of these small communities and doing what I do for a job, but be able to be able to do this in these foreign places in a volunteer capacity, like being in Jayus in Palestine and people from the community continually telling all me and all the other volunteers, thanks so much, thanks so much. And it's like, no, thank you. Like I'm getting just as much out of this. Like I'm learning, I'm um, appreciating a community and, you know, getting a good feeling by being able to give back. Um, and that experience of, again, finishing parks and seeing that little boy or girl rolling down on a skateboard and they're not doing a trick, they're just rolling on their bums down a transition, down a quarter pipe and seeing that smile. It's like, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of worth it. That's, that's pretty rewarding. It's super cool. I, um, I guess that's the most beautiful question I think I've ever heard in a Q&A and it's just such a, a, you know, a touching thing to even try and answer amongst... You know, the, the company I have, like, this morning, I, you know, went to Fast Times. Mappy from Fast Times invited me down. And it was just such a special moment that happened there. And that's, that's Nikki's story for another time or now. But um, I think the doors that opened for you as a skateboarder is, makes me really happy and has made me happy. So even when it's really tough stuff. So, like, with Consent is Red, if I'd said 10 years ago, I have this thing talking about sexual violence and how to prevent it and having consent in the skateboarding community and Thrasher are going to uh, put it in their magazine for free and they're going to link me to their website. You would have laughed and said, yeah, right. But that's what they did when asked and communicated to them. Look, you know, this is something that's really important. Um, you know, you've got the power to do this. What can you do? Can you do this? And they said yes. So, like, really just having doors that you think don't open, seeing them opened up now is probably just very um, good. It's goodness side of skateboarding. What about you, Nikki? What's your favourite? So what was the question again? <laughs> Originally, it was your favourite moment in skateboarding, but it could just be your favourite thing about skateboarding as well. Good. It's a very good question. Favourite moment? Um, <laughs> probably, I guess, out of the few, probably seeing these Indigenous kids just jump on the board, like, just pick it up just like that, like, and just seeing, like, yeah, boys and girls just picking it up, rolling, um, and also just, like, having the confidence to drop in, just like a little kicker. Um, and also, yeah, creating spin effects, skateboards. I think <laughs> it was just an idea, but I think once it, it launched from our um, website, I think... I was just thinking, there it goes. But then also sort of, you know, I've still got to pinch myself today as well. Like, um, yeah, been in fast times as well. Like now, like, Spinswick Skateboards, like, got our products all around the country as well. So I think <laughs> that's one of the great moments as well, just seeing our park out there. And also, I think, um, yeah, seeing the merch being weared everywhere and getting the support as well. 
I think it, that goes a long way and, you know, and I think everyone that's supported us as well, I think that's a great moment as well. So many. I was just going to quickly add to it, and you did say moment and none of us answered a moment in a sense, so apologies <laughs> for that. But I think I'd probably speak for all of us up here. In the audience today, we've got friends in the audience that we met through skateboarding and they're lifelong friends and connections that we'll have, yeah, indefinitely. Um, and that's purely through skateboarding and that's, that's incredible. I would like to say uh, Greg Barnes actually came up with the drawing with the back of, of this here, the first. So, um, yeah, just from an idea, like, he just sort of went, oh, I'll spin it for X. Well, he just started drawing off with sort of like a cardboard and then it's like, oh, what do you reckon about this, Nicky? And I'm just like... Oh, cool. Like, <laughs> and then I just sort of had it in my wallet and then and then I'd just been saying Spinifex skateboard, spin and then just be like, yep, this is the logo. But then the, the other piece was actually from the dot painted board um, from a metal section. And then um, I kind of just thought that was like a logo idea as well. And then we sent it off to um, Galimba who actually helped us through sort of the starting period of like creating everything. And then... They just went like, well, why don't you put that on, on top? And that's what it is. But, like, I guess a great moment is, yeah, is that Greg, my good mate here, and, like, um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I think if you're a skateboarder, you're, um, you always have a good network and, of resources and really talented friends um, to get involved, which is awesome. Um, now, I think it's all well and good to have a discussion and leave you feeling really inspired and motivated. Um, but we do want to sort of activate the audience today as well and finish with a call to action um, from each one of our panellists. So if you could each share a call to action for the audience, so whether it's following your Instagram account or donating to a project, um, buying some merch, um, what call to action would you like to give everyone here to help support these amazing projects that you're working on? Uh, I'd probably say it, our next um, project we're trying to raise money for is a skate park in Dili, in, so Timor-Leste. We've been over there, we've done consultation with the locals, uh, working in collaboration, collaboration with the locals, we've come up with the design. And so now it's just raising the money for it. We've got volunteers here in Australia that want to go over and build it tomorrow, if they could. Uh, it's just a matter of fact of just raising some more money. So you can jump on at Timor Skate or timorskate.org and find out more information about it. Shoot us an email um, or just donate on the website and that would be absolutely amazing because all money goes into it, goes straight into the project. We'll most likely, as with a lot of volunteer projects, just pay for ourselves to get over there. <laughs> so That's so rad. <laughs> um, Wade, Wade's just so smooth when you answer the questions. I asked if he could go first. So it's a hard act to follow. To, no, just, yeah, like hard act to follow and just learn, oh, this is how I could sound if I concentrate. Um, so call to action. Um, so just a little secret that's not a secret for the audience is that coming up in April is Sexual Violence Awareness Month and um, Consent is Red is going to collaborate with Doyen Skateboards Another group called um, Consent for Breakfast, uh, a group in the Netherlands called Hero Skate, Skate Like a Girl, uh, people that are from America, from um, Asia and so on, um, First Nations, uh, Dina Nation, Navajo, um, on a 33-page zine about consent that we're going to distribute hopefully to skate shops and ask skate shops and skate distributors to share with their, um, you know, the companies that they send things out. It's going to go to skate parks. It's got a combination of um, obviously personal narratives, but also it's got cartoons. It's trying to like visualize what consent looks like. It's got like uh, articles like I've been a, I, I don't want to swear, so I've been a DICK, what do I do now? Is like one of the articles. Um, there's a t shirt out that's a bit more assertive called Skating the F Bomb Away from You. Um, and then it says up close here in tiny writing, if you can read this, you're too close. <laughs> And then at the back it has ask. So it's like a part of a manifesto as well called the ask manifesto. So the call to action is really just to follow, hopefully follow Consent is Red on Instagram. There's some stuff over there. Um, and it's at consent underscore um, is underscore rad. And just see like it's not just one group of people. It's like a whole movement of people just saying, you know, this is how we can interact that's much more respectful and makes everyone comfortable. So that's the call to action. Um, you can check out um, our merch. That's over there as well. Um, also, check out uh, www.spinifexskateboards.com as well. Because, um, like, 
uh, the proceeds that go towards like the merch, buying merch, stuff like that goes to uh, First Nation skate tours as well, um, taking Indigenous kids out to um, cities um, and other places as well across the country. Um, yeah, taking those kids out there and, you know, and taking them to places where they, you know, haven't been before and, you know, it's a good cause as well for us, Spinifex. So check it out, us on there and also we've got an Instagram as well and, yeah, and our um, YouTube channel as well that we just um, came up with as well this year. Awesome. Thank you. Um, well, on that note, I think we'll wrap it up. You've all got a bit of a to-do list now to go away with. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, thank you to M Pavilion and Melbourne Design Week and NGV for creating this platform for us to have these really important conversations um, and for us to all come together and become inspired and continue the good work in skateboarding to create a better future for skateboarding for us all. Um, thank you for coming today and joining in on this conversation. And thanks to the panellists, um, some of you who have come from a really long way. So we're very grateful um, that you took the time and the energy to come out here and have this chat with us today. So thank you very much. You're listening to an Empavilion podcast. Conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at empavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you.